Bob now has six kids. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> it's hard to figure out how to get started when there's just noises going on on the other end of the, mm-hmm. the microphone. That's when I'm tired. I'm just like... <laughs> so you said you stayed up super late yeah. watching videos. YouTube. 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 I watched... Uh, that's why I'm sounding a little throaty because... <clears throat> well, I got I, I, I had a cold going for, since like Christmas. And I... Uh, my throat got deeper and drier, and I can't seem to get out of it. A lot of people notice that my throat is deeper and drier, so <clears throat> if I sound a little scratchy, it's it's like an ongoing thing. Maybe I'm just getting older and my voice is changing. But I did stay up late last finally, night. Finally hit puberty, huh? I did. Puberty, <laughs> I did. That's why I finally grew into this beard. But <laughs> look at that. Look at those whiskers. <laughs> uh, no, I found a great YouTube channel. It just popped up, and I clicked on one video, and it's not even in English, and I watched 20 minutes of it. Uh, each video is 20 minutes and I watched about four or five videos. The last one I was like kind of trying to keep my eyes open. I fell asleep. And so when a minute I woke up, I started watching it again. <laughs> I'll tell you all about it at the end, but it's a really great channel. And it's all about like, like traditions that, that still happen. Actually, it's a whole channel that was made in like the 60s, 70s, and maybe even into the 80s in Germany. The whole entire channel. And I'll, I'll talk more about it at the end. But hmm. it's all huh. ancient technology and documentary films of ancient technology. Of things that were still happening in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They find like a guy that's a fossil, still living, doing what he's been doing since he was a young boy, still doing it. It's great. Great, great, great. So I'll, I'll talk about that at the end. Like, I don't even know the name of the channel. I just kept hitting next, next, next. But, uh, oh, what did I do this week? I made an anvil stand. Thank you for asking. I saw, I saw that. <laughs> a mobile one. A mobile anvil stand. Yeah, I I was really, I got this dumb idea after I made my knife video. Because my knife video that I made last week, the anvil was on a, a furniture dolly the whole time. I tried to crop it out because I just knew it would drive people insane if they saw that it was sitting on a plywood plank on top of a furniture dolly. And so I was like, I got to make a, he said, it's nice to leave it on the furniture dolly because now I'm done. I could just shove it in the corner. It could be out of the path. And I was like, oh, you know what? Let me make an anvil base with mobile wheels. And I talk about like working and designing in the moment. I, I talk about this all the time. Just trust the process. Just trust the process. Trust your ability. And, and I, I, if I didn't really have the answers, if I was sitting in front of Skype, uh, not Skype, SketchUp or, or Fusion 360, I would have never come up with the answers that I came mm-hmm. up with by just like, oh, let me try what happens if I drill a hole here. That is not exactly at all what I expected. Okay, let me move the hole to here. Oh, that's better. That's closer to my goal. Let me move that hole over here. So I had to sketch it in real time. So I, I kept getting to like little points in the build where like, okay, I know I have to do this. All right, this has to happen. There's no other way around this. This is, you know, this is 90% dialed in as far as the finished part of this concept of the design. And then I kept kind of inching my way towards the finish line, and it came it came out and it works, and I'm really surprised and happy with it. That build will be published by the time this is airing, but airing it's like Bobby Brady getting into puberty. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good build, really fun, and I already have a new idea for a new and improved version of that. And I have a 700 pound anvil, and I want to make a mobile base for that. So I'm gonna do my new and improved version for the 700 pound anvil in a couple of months i'll wait i'll spread it out so i don't become the mobile anvil channel so you (laughs) you weren't planning on making a video you just decided hey i need to make this mobile anvil stand right and i started filming it going i'm you know it'd be nice if it could move around maybe i'm not sure i don't know let's see all right and i kept talking to aaron while i was shooting i was like this might be a huge waste of film not really a waste of film, but I was just kind of thinking, like, I don't really know where this is going. This might not go anywhere. And now it's it's probably going to be a, one of my best videos in recent memory because it's just the way it came together. I'm so proud of it. And uh, oh, nice. I, I can't believe I'm like, it was channeled through me. I was like, oh, wow, this works. I can't believe that this actually works. And it works as well as it does. And then I was like, OK, this, well, it has to work with 300 pounds of steel on top. Maybe it won't work with 300 pounds of steel on it. We put the steel on it and the anvil and... I was like, wow, that's amazing. And, of course, it's on Instagram. A lot of people are going to copy the design. And I encourage, I talked about it on the Fitzall, which isn't published yet, but I also encourage everybody who has an anvil that wants to make it move 
to try and make a version of an anvil stand that moves and not necessarily exactly like my design. You can, I don't care, but I just want to see the innovation that takes place when everybody looks at that and goes, okay, how can I move a 250 pound anvil, put it on wheels temporarily and then literally take it off wheels with just the switch of a lever or a push or a pull or a twist or a turn? How does that mechanism work? How would you interpret that mechanism? Yeah, that's cool. It's funny because I actually need an anvil stand, and I was considering making one and trying to figure out a way to make it interesting so that I could make a video about it. Because otherwise, it's just like you know, four by fours stacked up, mm-hmm. bound together. And um, I had kind of gotten to the point where I was like, "Well, I'll just do it one afternoon and just have the thing and not worry about trying to make a video." And then I see your Instagram video. I'm like, "Oh, look at that super cool thing that <laughs> goes up and down and moves around and has a lever on it." And like, ah. Probably should have thought about it a little bit more. <laughs> well, like I said, as I got into the video, I didn't realize it was going to end up as as interesting as I believe it is. I just assumed, I was like, all right, if all else fails, I made just a cube and the video will be four minutes long. <laughs> so this is how you make a cube out of four by fours <laughs> with a steel brim, rim edge. But I was happy. I was happy with it. That's on Instagram. I think I talked about it. That's the slow-mo of it falling off the table at first. I was just was goofing around. I did all the welds. It's like, I hope these hold. Let me see what happens. And I pushed it off the table in slow-mo. <laughs> it stayed together. Did you chip your floor oh, when yeah. you did that? Yeah, pretty bad. Okay. Because it looks like there's a piece on that video. Oh, yeah. There's like a little chunk that flies out. And I couldn't tell if it was steel breaking off. <laughs> no, the, the steel did nothing. Out. And it's funny. I'm getting it together and I got it like it's dialed in. And I'm like, every time I'm off the wheels, it rocks. And I go, this cube isn't square. And now it's like three days later. And Aaron goes, yeah, that's probably because you dropped it off the table. I'm like, oh, yeah. Forgot <laughs> yeah, <about> yeah. <laughs> it was about an eighth of an inch out of square. So I had to put a little foot under that corner so that it would stop rocking. Mine is nine fence posts just glued together at a certain height. And nice. uh, there's no room. There's no place for me to store it. So it's actually outside covered in snow right now. I'm like, hey, it'll be fine. Mm. It'll be fine. It's Just spray post. oil on it once in a while. Yeah. Cool. Well, David, what have you been up to? Last week, we started to film a shop tour, and like Jimmy, we kind of stopped what we were doing and started filming the making of the new confessional corner, the talking head corner of the shop, and we put up the, the wall panels, which led to, oh, we have to start making the desk for this. So... The desk is the video that we're going to work on this week, which also turned into, ah, we need a neon sign back there. So we're doing like a DIY neon sign thing. And so it's just kind of like one thing turned into another, turned into another, and then a new tool arrived. I'm like, you know what? We don't do unboxings or overviews of new tools. Maybe that's something we experiment with. So um, even though I've got this huge list of things that I want to do, that all got pushed aside because I'm excited about these these new things that we're, we're doing right now. Just exactly how uh, Jimmy's anvil stand came along. So yeah, we're working on making the shop a little a little bit better. The table that we're building is a three legged table that it's like it's going to be a little desk that goes into the corner and mostly just metal legs welded together with a with a wood top. And we might do a CNC inlay. And maybe not even a CNC, just like a, a router pattern inlay on the top. I haven't decided yet, but uh, just a simple little I'm, little table. I'm laughing off. Off. I had my microphone muted, but because we're actually working on a table <clears throat> with a wooden top and with welded steel legs <laughs> for a kind of similar purpose. Uh, yeah, we're synced up. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty well. The idea is that um, so we want to have this area in the shop that's completely different from everything else and then we got this these textured wall panels they're 20 by 20 wall panels and they just glue up to the wall and they're black and it looks really cool so when you have like colored light shine on them the the light reflects off of the different shapes in cool ways and the little corner table that's going to be back there will be a place to keep the laptop and the and the monitor speakers that could be part of the backdrop, but could also be just pulled out and then put in front of you. So when you're talking on camera, I have a little desk that I can place things on and then just scooch it right back to the corner. So it needs to be light enough where it can just slide slide around a little bit. And uh, and then, so we got, a, we got rid of our, I didn't get rid of, but I moved the old drill press 
out into the other shop and we got a new Nova benchtop drill press and it's got the, it takes up less space than a normal drill press because the, the motor is mounted directly above the drill lean mechanism. So it's, it's more upright than it doesn't take up a lot of space behind it. And I haven't unboxed that yet. So we're going to do a video on that, on why I switched drill presses. And then I'm finally going to get the shaper out and <laughs> film a video on that. <laughs> it's funny, when I, I got the shaper, I always working on a box joint video and I, I had a, like all my routers kind of lay out on my bench and said, you can make box joints with this router, this router, this router, but not the shaper. This is a special one. We'll talk about this later. And then like four days later, shaper came out with new software that allows you to make box joints with it, which is, (laughs) they actually sent me an email like, you know, funny thing you mentioned that because, but I haven't, I've had it for months and I haven't even plugged it in, but I'm finally going to get to it and, and play around with it a little bit. That's cool. Hmm. I saw on your Instagram story that you started taking apart your go-kart. I did. So uh, right down to the bare chassis so I can pull measurements off of it. And then next week I am going to, there's two places, uh, go-kart stores that there's one in like Western, Southwestern Ohio and the one in Indianapolis. And I'm just going to take a road trip, go get fitted for a seat, pick up some parts, bring it back, and then start the start the build. I need to... There's certain pieces of the go-kart that I need before I can tack things together, like spindle brackets and the axle um, the axle brackets. They all have to be welded on. And these are things that I'm not going to make. They're better for me to purchase and then just weld onto the frame. So that's happening. And the, the go-kart circuit that I'll be running next year. We had a driver's meeting last night and we talked about new rules and and how they're going to change things up. And I'm excited about one of the changes that they're making. So there's there's like eight races within the season, eight point races, and they have a few more other races. And usually there's qualifying, heat races, and then a feature, the A-Main. And if you don't make it, your day's done at the heat races. And so they want to make it more fun. So they're going to split the field and they have um, qualifying heat races and then two features. So more people can actually race in that final, final race. That's exciting for me because as somebody who's an experience means I'm going to be able to race in more features and get my feet wet and learn, learn how to handle the cart. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if I announced this last week, but since I got hired to do making it, and again, I don't have a full on, schedule i might have to move the go-kart thing that i said on my my vlog would be may 22nd i don't want to totally announce a move yet because i'm not sure but if i might have to move it so don't book any hotel rooms that's the reason i'm saying that might have to move it down into to june or maybe july but we'll see that's my little go-kart event it's gonna take i'm actually hoping summer. that you move it because that weekend i'm not going to be around and i can't make that so Oh, right. All right. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll, we'll figure it out. Like I said, I just got it. The only reason it's complicated is because I got the guys at the Blackthorn involved and they're going to rent rooms. They're going to, you know, do a special rate for anybody that wants to spend the weekend or a couple of days. So I, and I said this in the, the after show last week, but I was disappointed when I heard that in your vlog because we're friends and you should have given David and I a heads up when that date was. <laughs> so we had like an extra month to start designing. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm glad that it'll be pushed out a little bit, so we have a little. More well, time. We, like I said, we'll see because the only because I, I had to pick a date with them because they have so many events going on during the summer. So that was a window where I wasn't either in England making a class or that they had an available. So they gave me two weekends. I picked that one, and now I said to them, "I might have to move it." They said, "All right, we'll figure it out." So anyway, just stand by for more information as soon as I get it. I'll make it public. Working on another vlog, by the way, so I'll make some more announcements in that. What I would um, speaking of classes, oh. do you, sorry, <laughs> speaking of classes, have you worked out a schedule for anything? No, in the fall or anything? we have not yet, but uh, we've talked it up. We just got to open the calendar and really start to decide when and make sure that it works with a couple teachers. We're not going to do as many as we did last year. It's too stressful. I mean, we, we end up yeah. working so hard before and after. Yeah, too much pressure. Talk about pressure. Talk about pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just we. So we're gonna have uh, probably four or five, as opposed to eight or nine. So, but we, we will announce them. And last year, I, I marketed marketed all these different classes. Like oh, we got eight classes coming out. Everyone's like, okay, cool. When I graduate my uh, 
doctor program I'll come, or when uh, my wife retires, I'm going to come. So all of a sudden, everyone just thought I had this ongoing university that just is never going to end. So kind of announcing a whole bunch of classes at once put everybody in this mindset of like, oh, Jimmy's always going to be there. I'll, I'll book eventually, as opposed to, hey, this might not happen again. And then everyone goes, the class fills up that night. So it was weird, weird learning about the marketing of this kind of stuff. Like I said, I figured we'd announce them and they'd fill up just like they often do. But because I was a little bit cavalier, but I'm like, yeah, we have 10 classes. and So we were struggling to fill a couple of them. They all filled up like within weeks of the actual class. We only had like two or three bookings far, far out. But getting right up to that class, people were booking like 12 or 15 days ahead to fill it up. So because of that, it's not so urgent that we promote the schedule early, early on. So. Hmm. So. Gotcha. That's cool. I was talking to um, Steve from uh, Moonshine Metalworks. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Sounded, sounded wrong when I said it. Um, the other day, he was giving me some blacksmithing information based on last week's show, and <clears throat> was offering to you know for me to come to their shop when I'm in the UK. And unfortunately, I don't have time on that trip to do that. But I s- told him to make sure that he taught another class at your place because I had promised you that I would come up to your place for a, a class this year. So yep. if we can make that triangle happen, <laughs> we will. Oh yeah, yeah, no. So I, I think uh, I'm not sure what Steve's schedule is, but I would like for him to come during the the Catskill Maker Camp that's in October, the first couple of weeks, like maybe October 10th. So if Steve is around for that, we'll schedule a class, a private class at the house, and then it'll roll into that, which is what we did last year. It worked out perfect for everybody's schedule. So do something like that. Cool. For sure. Awesome. Um, so last week I, I mentioned that I had done the uh, machete, and that was supposed to go out this past week, and then we ended up finishing – this other new type of video, and so we kind of pushed our schedule back and put out this new type of video called Between the Builds, and uh, we got a really good reaction. It was just kind of... It was great. We wanted to capture some of the stuff... Thank you. We uh, wanted to ha- capture some of the stuff that happens in between the builds, obviously. And uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of people enjoyed seeing a less formal, you know, less focused video, which won't work all the time, obviously, because then people won't even know what to expect and won't know you know, what they're going to get out of it. But I, I was really happy with how the video turned out. Anthony shot that and edited it. it has a great tone to it. Um, so we'll be doing more of those on occasion. But it pushed the machete back. So it's coming out this week. So it'll be out when before this show's out. And so since then, I've been working on a leather sheath for it. Um, and that's been an interesting, kind of fun new thing to try out. It's not a whole lot different than the little leather that I've done in the past, but there's some new things, you know, I did it. I had to do it once and realized that I just got the steps out of order and I'm like, Oh, I should have sewn that thing before I glued that thing and this thing. And then I was like, I'll just start over. Second one turned out really nice. Um, and I, I made, um, so it's a sheath and it has a couple of pockets on the outside that are formed around things to take with you. So there's like a little sharpening stone that is, has a little, perfectly formed pocket on the outside that you can drop down with it. So you have that with you if you need it in the woods and stuff like that. But, um, it turned out pretty nice. I'm finishing up today, putting on snaps for the first time so it can snap over your belt and, um, that'll be cool. Nice. But that's what's, that won't be out for a couple weeks still. But now that we, we put out that new video and it kind of like, it bumped our schedule out, which is good, but it's also kind of weird. Cause I talked about something two weeks ago that still isn't out yet. And it'll be out this week. And, We'll forgive you. Whatever. But thank you. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find it in so our hearts. So I, I um, have been, <laughs> in the evenings, I've been like going down and starting to go through the boxes of stuff that came with the new tools that I got because there's just like 10 boxes. And in the video this, that came out, I showed a few of these boxes. I showed the drawers from the lathe, but I didn't actually show any of the boxes of stuff that came with it. So a lot of people were like, dummy, those are drawers. Like, yeah, I, I know that, but there are also <laughs> boxes of, um, of like tooling and measuring tools and all sorts of stuff. So I started going through that. I found that I have a whole bunch of micrometers, um, that are stare and they, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they're, they probably need to be, you know, calibrated or whatever, but I took them to a one, two, three block. 
because that's the closest thing I have to a known measurement. And they seem right on for that. I mean, down to zero, zero. Those, if you're talking about calipers, those, they, they have the dial knob. So if the needle ends up out of whack, you just dial the knob to the, to the zero. They're mostly always good. Well, these are like like a C-clamp looking thing. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah You're yeah. turning one side yep. to get in. Yep, yep, and yep. so I got those down to where they were zeroed out, and they were right on the edges. Not super tight, but tight against the surfaces. And so Micrometer. I feel like that's probably, yeah. Um, so there was quite a few of those, which was nice. Uh, there were some other dials that were a little faded and everything. I'm going to replace all those. Kevin Lazat sent me an awesome list of things that he was like, you have to have these things to get started. I'm like, Great. Yeah. <laughs> Bought those. Yeah, things. you should FaceTime with him and just um, go through the bins. He'll tell you what everything is. He knows everything. Yeah, yeah. I want to try to get him down here at some point. We haven't talked about it yet, but I want to get him down here and just spend a weekend and just like basically just watch him do stuff so that I can learn how to do it. But before I even get to that, I started going through these boxes and then was just like looking at the Bridgeport and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to do a full restoration of this thing because I know, just get it working. I know that as soon as I start, well, I know that's my initial thing is like, yeah, well, I just want to get it working, which means I have to take out, I have to replace the bearings. I don't have to, but I would like to replace the bearings in the spindle. Start using super it. Loud. Just start using it. Just put a smother of oil on there. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, it's, it's covered in oil. But I was like, well, if I take this part apart, then I may as well take that off. And if I take that off, then oh, it's going to cause me to take this thing apart. And if I take that <laughs> off, then I may as well, like, paint the head. Because oh, then at that point, the head's pretty much done. And then I'm like, well, if I'm going to do the head, then I may as well take off the table. So, yeah, over the weekend, I watched Matt Cremona's video of him cleaning his and taking not all of it apart, but taking a lot of it apart. And watched all Alex Steele's videos about him fixing up stuff on his and... And I learned a huge amount from just about what the machine does and all the pieces involved just from watching somebody else take it apart. Doesn't necessarily mean that I want to take it apart, but I kind of do. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really not sure what to do about it. But I, the it sounds interesting to disassemble something like that and, you know, clean every single thing and put it back together and kind of start fresh with where I know I can kind of see what the problems are. So I know what I'm working around and. Um, but then time, if I take that thing apart or even a part of it apart, then I have no clue how long it's going to be before I actually use the thing because, you know, I'll pull some stuff off and it'll sit there and I'll go back and do the work. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's why Jimmy has 25 bandsaws. So he can take 10 of them apart. (laughs) Yeah, I totally need two bridge ports. But so I don't know when I'm going to get around to if I end up, you know, starting to clean it up, not even restore it, but just to like take it apart and clean it. And, you know, I don't know how long that would push off me actually using it. So I don't know. Somebody needs to talk me out of it. I have a I have a question for you guys and I haven't done any research, so maybe it's a stupid, simple answer. But I got an old rusty toolbox from the antique store and it's got. Uh, it opens up and then these the drawers come out and I want to restore it. And is there a way to take the handles and the lock mechanisms off by drilling out the rivets or whatever? But how how would I get them back on? Is there a is there a way to get them back on, or am I just forced to tape them off and and work around them? If you cut them off, you could probably rivet them back on. If you make, you could buy a little like uh, I think typically called like a splash rivet, where it's a a little brass. It's got a head on it and a shaft, and the back of the shaft usually is hollow, so when you hit it, it would splay open. But you okay. might have to you might have to hire Bob and his new machine shop to make them for you because they're hard to find. Hmm. Okay. You know, in, 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 so that's my reason not to take it apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you Thank might, you. No, you could put a little like piece of brass in there and tap over both sides, or find little you know two fifty six size nuts and bolts. You could screw it in, and put a little crazy glue on the back of the nut. No one's going to be breaking into your toolbox like that. So if there's a little screw head on one side, it don't matter. Two fifty six mm-hmm. is really small. It's like I don't know. Less than an eighth of an inch. It's like two millimeters as far as a nut and bolt. Let's see, you do that. Yeah, I mean, you get one of those two-part rivets that you drop in there and just flatten the back of it. Mm-hmm. It fills out the the ring that you put on the backside. It's like putting in a snap, same kind of thing. But it would be super awkward to do that on a toolbox 
because you're doing it on the front face and on the top, so you're going to be hammering down. So like putting the handle on the top of it, you're going to be flattening that inside the top of the toolbox. So possible, but awkward, hmm. I would imagine. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've, we were we kind of had an idea for a topic, and I think I've probably talked about this topic a lot in the past, um, about the pressure that we put on ourselves. And I know for me, I, I go up and down throughout the year in this, like, this uh, unnecessary pressure that I apply to myself. And I honestly do not feel like anybody else in my life applies this pressure to me. Like, I don't feel it from anywhere except for me wanting to stay on track and do better and do more. And there's this, this little thing inside me, this little hamster wheel that just wants to keep, 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 you know? And, um, so I end up putting a lot of pressure on myself, but I would be interested to know from you guys, like right now in your lives, what are the things that are adding pressure to you? Is it outside you? Is it inside you? Is it, you know, How's that affecting you? Because I know that changes for all of us over time, I think, about where we get pressured. Well, it's funny, right? Right now, personally, I don't have too much pressure in my daily schedule, only because I haven't been picking up too many jobs from uh, outside, outside the shop, other than, you know, YouTube videos. I don't have too many advertisements these days. And so I don't feel any pressure. And it's given me a certain sense of freedom to play with something like the anvil stand or just blacksmith a knife outside outside of my own personal schedule. I mentioned it last week where one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and I'm just following that creative flow and I'm not getting constricted by a pressure or a schedule. But um, we talked about this before the cameras rolled and <clears throat> Taylor did something really cool. She She's kind of, I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way, she's been kind of lackadaisically kind of working her way through her new designs and her new this and new that. And she needed to energize. And so she said, I think I'm going to join the show. The show is very expensive. She joined the show in New York. It's going to be on the pier in March. She actually agreed to let me do a little vlog segment on her, on her new design. So you guys will be seeing that shortly. And I thought it was great. She's like, what do you think of this? I said, it's expensive, but you know what? It's going to create pressure, which right now you don't have, you know, when you have, pressure and you have something to work against, suddenly the creative juices really start to move. Whereas if you don't have that pressure, if you're not working against something, you just go, oh, I'll work on that tomorrow. Oh, you know what? Let me un- let me open this new tool I got and I'll spend the night setting this up. You avoid, I mean, creative people we avoid. I remember my teacher said that to us when we were in like second year's art club. We had this one big lecture class and the teacher in that class said, as artists, we we spend all our time trying to avoid what we know we have to do. We play with everything except the actual thing. But when you have a pressure point like a, a hard out or hard date, you work hard to get that done. And that's when the best stuff comes out. You know, like a lot of times, I just took a job on Saturday. My buddy's a guitar player and he has a band. It's a doom metal band. I made a guitar for him 30 years ago. He calls me out of nowhere and he's like, hey, would you, would you still make a guitar? He's like, I see you did that thing on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, I'll make a guitar. So he's he brought over a guitar. We're going to modify one. We're not going to start from scratch, but we're going to modify one. And he's, he just, we talked about ideas. This, that, and the other thing is like, how soon can you get it done? I was just said, tell me when you need it and I'll make sure it's done by then. And so just having that, it, it, I have a big lead time, so it's not too much pressure at the moment. But knowing me, We'll settle on a design, me and him, and then I'll wait until two days before it's due, and I'll do it in that short pressure window. But I think it's a good thing having pressure. I'm taking advantage of not having it right now, but I think it's a very good thing to put put stops and deadlines in our path so that we know we can get things done by those dates. That's when the best creative stuff happens. Uh, yeah, I know for me, I have to have a deadline. Otherwise, I just keep putting things off and off. And uh, going back to to Bob's question of internal versus external pressures, almost all of my pressure is just self-induced. There are things outside of what I do that really bother me. Like right now it's taxes. Like I got to go through and I got to get all my tax stuff ready for my tax dude. And I don't know why, but it makes me stress out. And 
and I've got one more project to do for the book and that stresses me out. And there's, uh, there's a, a, a project that I have to finish. It's a non-camera project that I have to finish here in the house and it stresses me out. And, and then there's a bunch of these, these little things that just add pressure to my day. And I just gave advice to, to a friend a couple weeks ago. And, uh, I, he's like, I have all these things in my head that they're bothering me. I'm like, just write them out. If you write them out, you see it as a list. You'll know that you can, you can cross them off as you do them and it makes you feel better. And, but I gave that advice and he's like, Oh yeah, that's, that sounds great, but I don't do it myself. I need to take all these little things that are bothering me, throw them on a list, put it up, you know, on my cork board. So I see it every day and then just do them. And a lot of these things don't take that long, but for whatever reason, I, I will cross off one of the things that's given me a lot of pressure and I just add another thing on there. I, I, I fixate on, on these things, but it's the pressure that makes me who I am. It's the, I, I need, I need that pressure because I do better work under pressure. I, I'm forcing myself to be creative. I'm forcing myself to do these things that make me who I am. So I need the pressure, even though I don't like the pressure. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good that comes out of pressure. Um, no, it's the best. But also the best like, work for me always comes out of when I have a hard out. Always. Yeah. I for me at least lately, I don't remember any specific, um, like projects or any you know specific things that I've committed to that are causing pressure. It's not like, man, I've really got to get this X done because so-and-so is waiting on me or because it will stop these things from happening. It doesn't really feel like that. It's more of just this internal... It's like a, a pressure for momentum. Like, I can't... I, don't, I need to not slow down. It's like my life is the movie Speed. You know, I need to, <laughs> like, just keep it at a at a forward momentum at some sort of a pace that... I don't even know what the scale for that pace is, but it's just like something inside me that feels like I have to be productive enough or I have to be exploring enough or I have to be invested enough in my family or in my whatever. And if those things start to slow down or I ease off of that momentum a little bit, then I feel like a this kind of, I don't want to say anxiety because it's not anxiety, but that, that feeling of like, I've got to do better. I've got to do more. I've got to get to the the thing. And it really is kind of weird because it's, feels independent from the specific stuff that I'm doing. Like I made a machete. I don't really need a machete. It was interesting. And I learned a lot of stuff from it, but it's not like someone was stuck in the jungle waiting for me to make them a machete <laughs> to get to them. You know, it wasn't like, it's just, I just get to do fun stuff, which is amazing. I'm super blessed. If you, in your, I don't feel pressure. In, in your mind, things, if you, you know? play the fantasy game of like, yes, there is somebody waiting for this. Yes. <laughs> You'll do better work. You know what I mean? Well, I don't. Like, I don't think that gets in my way. Like, I I've never felt the the I need someone or something to push me to get work done because I feel like I naturally have a pretty. I feel like I'm falling downhill all the time. That sounds bad, but what I mean by that is that there's this thing always dragging me down, and I'm figuring out how to not down. Bad with metaphors today. There's there's a momentum that is around me that's happening all the time. And I'm trying to figure out how to do my best within that momentum and to be as productive as I can with it. It's not like I need somebody to push me or something to push me into doing the work. It's how do I balance uh, how much work I need to do with what I actually do? And how much do I let myself rest? And how, you know, I think my pressure for me is there, is is around like being productive, but also being realistic about how much I invest in all the different stuff. That's really abstract. So maybe that's not helpful to talk about. <laughs> well, I don't know, but like with my kids, you know, I look at my kids and they're in, they're on school. I have uh, my daughter is a super go-getter, super self-starter. Like you have to slow her down, right? You you can't play basketball and soccer and do gymnastics and cheerleading and this and that at the same time. You can't. There's not enough hours in the day, right? So you have to reel it in, pick out your priorities and and do, because she does pretty much everything really, really well, like pick a few things to do really well and give yourself some rest. My Some of my boys are the opposite. We're like, I've told you a thousand times to put your shoes on. 
because we have to leave. There's something outside waiting for us, right? And so you have to do your little part of this this whole thing that we do to get out of the house every day. Hard out. And so it's kind of interesting. Like there's a pressure. There, those are both pressure situations, but they're applied very differently uh, internally and externally to the kids. And I feel like I'm probably a little bit more in line with my daughter where it's just like, if left to my own devices, I would work myself ragged and just keep going and keep trying to do new stuff. And not for any particular reason. It's not like I need more anything. It's just like, I just want to do more, you know? And so I think my pressure is, is internal and I need to be careful with that. I think I, if I have a hard out at the end of the day, for instance, so I call that a mini hard out instead of a big hard out, like a mini have to be at a dinner table at a certain time. I start to manage my time. I start looking at the clock. I go, okay, in the next 10 minutes, I have to be shutting the lights off or I have to have this put away. And, and, uh, the, the funny thing is, is I always look at that. I'm like, okay, I'm done with everything. I still have five or 10 minutes to, to do something. All right, what am I going to do in that five or 10 minutes? And I look around and I'll be like, oh, let me, you know, I talked about this a second ago, but I'll be like, oh, let me open that package that I've been avoiding. So I'll take, I'll use those five minutes. So at the end of my day or at the end of my, my schedule, whatever it is, when I know I have to go to the next thing, I always finish a little early. Just because that's me, I always know I have to be done and get ready in the car. Or drive, you know, you got to schedule time to drive somewhere or whatever. And I say, okay, I got five minutes before. Like for instance, like if it, someone's coming to visit me this weekend, my buddy Stefan came with his guitars. I'm like, okay, he's supposed to be here at twelve. It's eleven thirty. I got exactly thirty minutes to do nothing. What can I do in those thirty minutes? I look around. I'm like, oh, let me dig into that thing that I've been wanting to experiment with. Let me dig into that. So I use those little pockets of. They're like air bubbles of time. And instead of just sitting around staring at my phone, I'm like, how can I take that air bubble of time and use it to my advantage? And I never actually put a name on it, but I do that all the time. I always like, okay, oh, all right. Patrick's going to be here at the house in 10 minutes. To Patrick's been helping me with electric in the house. He replaced an outlet. But I said, okay, he's going to be here in five minutes. What can I do in that five minutes? Oh, you know what? Let me organize this shelf. It's so stupid, but yeah. it, it, it is. It's not stupid, but I mean, it's something that I do. I never really put a frame on it until just now. You know what I did this weekend, kind of along those same lines. I don't know if you write those things down, but like I have a list. I, I started making a list this weekend of low priority, little fiddly stuff that I just never want to give priority. Like I don't know, you know clean up my desk is just an obvious example. It's right here. It's not big priority. It doesn't really need to happen, but it is handy. But I don't think about that, or I can't do it when I, when I think about it. When I'm sitting down, I'm sitting down because I'm working on something. And then when I do have time, I'm like outside, or I'm upstairs waiting on the kids to you know get ready for school or something. And so I realized that I probably had a bunch of those little things kind of floating around that I could be filling those gaps with those extra five ten minutes, but I didn't have them like on my brain. So I started making a list of low priority just stuff that I can always go to if I've got an extra 10 minutes where it's like, I don't have enough to start a big project, but I've got this little time I don't want to waste. Go to that low priority list, pick a thing, do it quickly, get it off, you know, and, and just like kind of chip away at that. And it'll probably be an ever evolving list of random stuff I don't ever want to get to. But there's a lot of that. I mean, even like there, there's stuff like that around your house that you could make that list out of around the shop, you know, cleaning, organizing little things. You don't ever want to go organize your drill bits, right? But when you need the right drill bit, you can't find it. It's because they're disorganized. And so spending a few minutes there doing that. Totally Speaking worthwhile. of drill bits, I get the perfect way to organize drill bits. This is a great solution. Okay. Hold on. I dropped something. Go to Harbor Freight and just buy a new box. It's perfect. <laughs> call it a, Every week. Call it a <clears throat> cost of doing business. I have about 25 boxes of drill bits various degrees. I have to take some of them and start to combine them so I could <clears throat> make yeah. ones that have like 10% left and ones that are only missing 3% of the drill well, bits and so on. I got to start combining. Yeah, the them. problem with that is you'll have you'll have 10 boxes and like all of the quarter inch bits will be gone Absolutely. and all of the half inch bits <laughs> and the really obvious ones are just Absolutely. dead and then you have Absolutely. Which is why instead bunches of I go I go well, we'll go buy a bunch of quarter inch bits. Ah, 
ah, you know, for 80 bucks, I'll just buy a whole new box. Cobalt bits. Just, <laughs> it's fine. I'll just stick it by that drill press. I'll put it by that drill press. I'll put it by that lathe. I'll put it by that. I wish I kept a record of how many of my projects within the house have broken drill bits stuck in them that nobody will ever see or, or notice. The, the tiny little, when you're you're drilling uh, little pilot holes for screws and the, the drill bit breaks yeah. off, you're like, well, I'll just drill it somewhere else and that's going to be in there forever. You're like the doctor that leaves hemostats in his patient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. Mm. Speaking of breaking stuff, I broke, I was uh, sewing in leather this weekend, working on that sheath, and I broke needles. I, for some reason, didn't really expect that would be a thing that would happen. But I snapped two separate needles, and it was on the end where the, in the hole, where the eye, where the thread goes through. It's that little end of it that's, I guess, weak, where that split is in the needle. You're on the... Do you break needles when you sew? You're on the sewing machine, the crank? No, no, no. Like, just in a... a By hand. Saddle, yeah, the thing, yeah. Uh, Pony. You know, you know what you you. I think as a as a sewer, we have a tendency to kind of get to the eye and then bend it up, thinking we're going to pull it through. Yeah, you got to pull it. You just got to pull it straight through. And so I I've been there where you get to that point. You're like, oh, there's some for some reason your hand wants to do like a pull up curve, and then you put pressure on the eye and you snap it. You got to just remember to just pull it straight out. And that's just the yeah, tendency. I'm pretty sure that's what I did both times. And I'll I'll work with a leatherman nearby so I could just grip the needle because it you you kind of give that twisty turny thing because you're trying to like push off the project and lever your hand out. And if you pull it straight out, you need usually a pair of pliers to grip it. Yeah, that's what I ended up doing because they're just they're so slick. It's hard to pull them straight out when they're stuck in multiple layers of leather. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, mm. totally separate subject any other thoughts about pressure or any uh any positive stuff around pressure i mean i know we talked about like it get, helping you get a lot of stuff done but like is there no i, I think know, it's anything a, else i think it's important for development if it's there are a lot of friends that i made in this youtube universe that have developed including me tremendous amount of skills in a short period of time and a lot of guys that that i met basically said i had no there was no reason to really push myself to do this. Now they want to be part of the community. They want to have something to share when they hang out. They want to be able to like say, hey, I'm working on this thing. Could you tell me what's the best way to do it? So it, just the community in general, the energy has motivated a lot of people, put pressure on people to up their skill, up their skill wants and needs and ambition. And so I think it's good pressure. I think it's great. So you need to put pressure yeah. on yourself to accomplish stuff. And if you make that, it's the beginning of the year. So if you've made a, uh, a New Year's resolution to do one thing or another, for instance, I was using my laser the other day. And I remember when we all first started talking, I, was, I said this recently. I was like, I remember I wanted to learn how to use a laser. Now it's like a passive thing in my, in my arsenal. I use it all the time. So there was, I put pressure on myself when we all first got together five years ago. I was like, oh, man, I want to use a laser. It's like such a mystery to me. And now it's part of my everyday thing. So that's a result of putting pressure on yourself to pressure goals. They're all similar things. Yeah. Pressure, commitment. Yeah. For me, it's the same thing. Yeah. I just don't. I think pressure can be negative and, and positive. It just depends on how you look at it in the, in the situation. But it's it's absolutely necessary that I have a commitment and I have that pressure on me. Otherwise, I get lazy. If I don't have a, a sponsored video, I'm like, ah, oh, well, here's a good place to call it a day. We can we can move on. Or I don't like the way this is going. I need to sit on this. But if there's a deadline and there's a commitment, it forces me to finish this up, to be creative. And I firmly believe that creativity can be forced and it's something that can be learned. And it it helps me complete my projects. Hmm. Um, one thing I was watching, uh, Anna Valtrades put a new video out about selling her farm in Seattle and she's moving to, she's in Nashville now. <clears throat> and there was some line that she said, or the guy that was with her in the video said, so the video is about her selling her farm to this man who's 77 years old. He's always wanted a farm, never had one. And so at 77, he bought a small urban farm and he's going to take it over and he's going to do the thing. And I can't remember how he said it, 
but he said something about the fact that now he he's 77, right? Which is not young, but he now has a 30-year plan. And his concern is being able to do the stuff that he wants to do with this new opportunity in the time that he has left. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about that, but I think that's part of the pressure that I put on myself. I have so many things that I want to do before I'm gone. Mm. And before I'm not even gone, before I'm not able to. You know what I mean? Like there's, like you can still have a big, great active life, but not necessarily be able to do all the stuff that you want to do. And I think that's, it's inevitable for all of us. But I, there's just so much that I want to get out of life. There's so many new hobbies and new interests and stuff that I just can't get to right now that I don't have a, I don't have the time for, I don't have the place for, I don't have the funds for, all these things. And I think part of the pressure that I put on myself is like, like, I'm going to die, man. We're all going to die. Like, we got to take advantage of this and do all the stuff you can do. And that's a good pressure. I think that's a good way to, to look at <laughs> stuff. But it's also a little like, we're running out of time, you know? <laughs> like, we got to do it. Do it. I don't know. So I think that's maybe one of the internal things that puts the pressure on me. And then when, you know, like, um, there was a, a tragedy this week where Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. and his daughter and some other people died in a, in a helicopter Horrible. accident. And, and, that's just another one of those reminders that live your life. I mean, Do it. Life, live your life every single minute and don't put stuff off because I mean, it can just disappear in a heartbeat. And you know, it, it's super easy to be like, well, I don't fly in helicopters or I don't do this. Or the I helicopter could that. land on you. That happen these- yeah. I mean, there's like a million ways, car wrecks, there, you know, gas explosions. I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff that can happen. It's not next week's not episode. About- how many, how many ways to die? Oh, gosh. <laughs> but I think it, re- you know, stuff like that, which is tragic and sad and a super bummer to hear, whether you're into basketball or you're into whatever, it still is a, a grounding thing that helps you just realize that how quickly stuff can change and how fleeting life can be. And for me, part of the pressure is making that I put on myself is making the most of my time with my family and with my kids and with my opportunity because I'm I'm blessed with a bunch of opportunity that a not a lot of other people are not and I want to make the most of that and I want to do my best with it you know and so for me that is enough of a driving force to in a positive way to like stay at it and to to stay passionate about it and stay moving forward so I don't know that just caught me when he this guy in this video said that about his farm I'm like man what a cool way to look at like I got 30 years. I'm going to do a farm. Thing. It's very optimistic <laughs> so to think. Cool. It's very optimistic. I think he's going to be, what, 100? What's 30? Is he going to be 107? Yeah. He's going to be at it. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of the joke. I mean, I would assume that he's not really expecting to live to 107, but that's awesome that you're planning at that point in your life that you're planning 30 years in the future. I think awesome. you have to have a purpose. I mean, and no, no matter what age, you have to have a purpose. You have to have a reason for doing something. Otherwise, you're just going to rot away. So I I look at my grandpa, who's 97 years old, and he's still in the shop almost every day. The the days that he's not in there is because it's just too cold or it's too hot out. And he has a reason to get up every morning. And like you see these... um, uh, Caesar, the, the 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 dog whisperer guy, he he talks about like dogs need a purpose to be happy. So you see the, these these sled dogs or these um, dogs that are are trained to help people with disabilities. Like they're happy because they have a purpose, they have something to do. And I think that's true no matter if you're 97 years old or if you're 44 years old. You need a reason to do stuff you need you need a reason to be alive and the yeah. pressure is a big part of that true mm. cool any other thoughts on this <laughs> i'm stretching <laughs> like a weird jimmy's still I'm tired stretching. i can laugh i'm still tired god i gotta go watch some more videos and go back to bed <laughs> <laughs> uh well <laughs> let's thank our our patreon supporters Big thanks to everybody that helps us out over there. There's a whole bunch of people. I was looking at the full list this morning. There's a whole bunch of people that help us out, and you're all awesome. Uh, there's a top group of supporters. Uh, th- there's actually, I say this one little group, this top, top group, but there's a bigger group of people who are listed in the show notes. So if you don't hear your name, 
and you're in the right you know level, it's because you're in the show notes. And if you want to see who those people are, go to makingapodcast.com. Uh, big thanks to our top supporters, though. Jenny and Davis, Odin Leather Goods, Modern DIY, You Can Make This Too, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Maker in Training, Chad from Mancrafting, and it works by Solo and Corey Ward. Um, big a couple things about the works by Solo. Bernie Solo got a feature in uh, on Make Magazine's website recently, which was really cool. And I know I've mentioned it recently, but Blondie Hacks, again, she's got a great series. Quinn has a great series on... Uh, vertical milling and I'm digging into it because I now am beginning to understand what I, you know, like I have a thing a reason to learn this stuff. So I'm beginning to dig into it and there's just really great straightforward information good stuff. So if you're into if you're uh, into vertical milling or metal lathe stuff and you need like a primer she's got a great series on both of those things big thanks to her and to everybody else that supports us over at patreon.com slash making it those people and everybody that helps us out over there gets the after show, which is more of us talking, sometimes secret stuff, upcoming stuff, uh, all that stuff and stuff and stuff. And that happens right after this show, right after we talk about what we want to recommend. David, mm-hmm. do you have a recommendation? Well, first, before I give my recommendations, I want to thank Anthony, behind you, Bob, for today's topic. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know it, but he he produced today's topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were oh. before we hit record. We're like, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. I don't know. And then I think Jimmy's like, turn around and ask Anthony what we should talk about. <laughs> and he goes, oh, no pressure. And I'm like, oh, well, let's do it. On talk pressure. about pressure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so that's how we come up with topics. We have no idea usually what we're going to <laughs> talk about. Um, so I have uh, I have a couple. Um, one is you probably already subscribed to, and Jimmy's recommended him a million times, but, uh, this old Tony has a great scissor lift build and I didn't think I was going to watch all 28 minutes of it, like focused on it, but it was so good and it's just a great learning experience. So that's my, that's my mini pick is this old Tony. My main pick is McLaren. They are a Formula One team that's been around for decades and they have a great YouTube channel and in their most recent video, it's kind of a um, behind the scenes of making of the the new car that they're going to reveal here soon. And they're, they have there's casting and molding and machining and all this all these things. They they build the cars from scratch. And somebody sent me a video recently on Twitter of the another team. I think it was the Mercedes team of. They make their own, like their own bolts, like they machine their own bolts and it goes through all these processes to make sure they're, they can withstand the, um, the pressures of, of being in a formula one car. And it doesn't, you don't need to enjoy racing to enjoy the, the, the making of, of a car. So this video by McLaren is fantastic. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's more of like a cinematic video and just kind of like an overview and of what's going on behind the scenes. There's no, there's no talking or anything and you're not going to learn anything. It's just cool to see things made. Hmm. Cool. Very cool. I'm going to brag a little bit. I've talked about this somewhere on it online, but I have the honor, the, the very rare honor of being one of this old Tony's only digital friends that he's met in person. I, think <laughs> I talked about this somewhere, but it, mm. he wrote <laughs> to me a couple months ago and said, Hey, uh, will you be in New York tomorrow? I'm visiting New York. He, he's not from New York, and it, not be it for me to say where he's from, but he doesn't. He likes his privacy. But he said, "I'll be in New York tomorrow. Will you be there?" And I said, "I'll be there." In the morning, I woke up. I drove two and a half hours to go hang out with him, have coffee on Twenty Third Street for about three hours. We hung out. The sweetest guy in the world, amazingly talented, like beyond belief. He could do anything. So. Check out this old Tony for sure. But what I want to talk about is this last night, it was about 11 o'clock. I'm editing, working on the new vlog and, and a thing pops up on YouTube. I always have YouTube playing in the background, you know, just whatever news, current events and digital heritage service pops up. It's a black and white film. That's the name of the channel, digital heritage service. It's all German and I click on it and it's a bunch of old dudes in 1962 in a quarry chipping and making Mill, millstones. Now, did you ever see a millstone like leaning on a farmhouse? You're like, what? what like, yeah. 
not only what, like how did it ever get utilized, but where did it come from? These guys are chipping millstones out of a pile of whatever that dirt, whatever that rock is, and like on the side of a hill with rocks, and they're wearing suits and they're wearing hats. It's like they're all wearing like they're wearing like they all look like Frankenstein because it's in black and white and they're all dusty. So they all look like they're dressed like Frankenstein and like a a shirt, a jacket with lapels, and. So I watched that whole thing about how these guys make millstones and they move them with oxen, horses, all in German. I click on the next one and it, and it's a guy, uh, he made a, a butter churner, all out of wood, all by him, black and white. And this one had no voiceover, complete silence. Obviously it had a voice. It was all shot in film in 1960s. So <clears throat> the voiceover could be in anything. Most of them are in German. Most of the, the, uh, the descriptions are in German, but it's, all these crazy old disciplines. The, the one I was watching just before we started was a guy making water water pipes out of tree trunks with a huge long handmade drill, like that you turn by hand. But from like 1960, like these are all these European tradesmen making things the way they made them for probably a couple of hundred years, still making them. And all these guys, they look like they're 90 years old in 1960. So, you know, it's pretty wild. They're all like real traditional tradesmen, and it's just one after another. And if you watch it with the sound off, you see so many cool techniques you can learn. If you, people always say, "I don't know what to make for a video," watch one of these and just copy whatever they're doing. You have a great. Video. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and I can't. I, there's a, here's another one where they're making millstones, but a different shape. But I, I, I can't. Here's a, I'm looking through the list. I can't read it because oh Dutch windmills. It's guys. It has a little translation. Guys making Dutch windmills or repairing a Dutch windmill. Amazing stuff. So you got to go check that out. And then that reminds going, me of. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just like I'm going through, and if you go through their list of videos all the way to their oldest ones from five years ago, it shows um, the guy scanning the film. So whoever is making these videos must have the, like the, the film strips and he's going through the process of digitizing all these oh, old wow. films. So that's probably why they're in such good qualities. Cause he scanned them himself. And so on the same exact type of topic, there's a lot of people have seen this. I see some, I mean, a lot of people know about this, but if you don't know about it, there's another channel called the British path. I don't know how to say it. Yes. P-A-T-H-E is a path. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. That channel is amazing. And you got it. So it's on the same, it's in the same, because now that's getting suggested again. I watch it all the time. But it's all old British factory workers making handmade, skilled handmade labor. Shows guys making, a, like a, one of their famous ones, which gets shared a lot, is a bunch of women in like dress clothes, because that's how you dressed when you went to the factory in 1930, making paper globes. Did you ever see that one? Mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where they're they're gluing on the the the, the, the paper shapes to make the, a paper globe. Yeah, yeah. It's really uh, the one that happens to be a steel making by hand. They look like they're making vessels, and they're all just they're all just factory process workers doing what they did on a regular basis. But when you see a little porthole back in time, you learn so many tips and tricks of these people that just did this every day of their lives. So, those two channels, the British Path. Pathé, maybe I'm saying it wrong. And, uh, oh, wow. Now, here's another channel. Wo <laughs> Patra. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say that next week. I'll learn how to say that. Wow. Yeah, so <laughs> Digital Heritage Service and British Pathé. Two channels where you just see old school stuff in real time. It's, a, it's important cool. to know the history of, of what you're doing so you know how to push it forward. I, I, where I come from in the, in the music world, like I, me and all my friends, we listened to music from decades before, and that influenced what we did now, which, um, you know, if, I, and I'm sure like whoever's, wh- whoever's popular now is going to be influencing people decades down the road. And so it's, it's really important to know the past and how things were made and how things were done. And, to know there was an age before digital tools and 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 factory factory labor things used to be made by hand and i just i just believe it's really important to understand how stuff was done yeah absolutely those are good recommendations so uh i don't ever run across stuff like that i don't know why but like i i rarely watch new things on youtube i just end up 
with the few minutes that I sit down in the evening, I'll watch the stuff that I know that I'm interested Bob, in. The stuff Bob, I'm subscribed life to. is short. You got to dig. You got to dig deep. You got to get <laughs> into these black holes in YouTube, dude. I just, I just don't sit down to watch YouTube enough. And actually, I've said that last week, and I didn't have a pick. And several people sent me channels, and they're like, "Hey, you should you talk about this one?" I appreciate that, but also that doesn't do it for me. If I'm going to recommend something, it's because I'm actually interested in it, not just because somebody like you know check me out or check out my friend's channel or check out this interesting thing. Some of them were really cool, but anyway. Um, I have really been enjoying Jocko's videos that he's he's doing this like every weekday thing. Yeah, right I got his right. As soon and, as we're done, I'm going to hit play on his. Yeah, right here. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's like right there. I think he, it's funny because he started making these daily videos and he did one talking about how, you know, he didn't want to rip off Casey Neistat, but that's like the style that he knows how to do. And so he's going to start there and then just let it evolve. And I think that's happening really quickly. It doesn't feel like he's having the same style as Casey anymore. It's beginning to already change because I think he like confronted that and said it. Mm -hmm. And then now he's just trying to make the projects and I don't know. I mean, I love that guy, but I also just really enjoy. What well, like I would watch it just because it's him, right? But I also yeah. am just enjoying the video and the fact that he's. You can tell he's starting to get like excited about these things that he's building, and he's like, "Oh, I just want this. I'm going to build a giant box, and it's going to be my office." I'm like, sure, why not? Like, it looks awesome. It's I don't know. great to see it evolve because now I'm thinking like I need to do this for like a week or two weeks because imagine how much better I would be. After two weeks of doing that nonstop, I don't. Mm. I'm not going to commit to that. I'm not ready to do that. But maybe <laughs> you said it here. Uh, yeah, but maybe that's something I do do in the future. Where I, we we do, we do seven projects in a, in a week, or we just do seven vlogs in a week, and and see what happens. Because you're only going to get better. You, it's it's inspiring. So I don't know. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll copy him and do something similar down the road just to just so I can improve myself. Do you guys remember when him and Dave yeah. Dave Welder did thirty videos in thirty days? That was great. Yeah. Yeah. And it was about five and, years ago they did. And YouTube loves that. The, the 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 YouTube machines, the gears in the in the basement, they love that stuff. You you putting mm-hmm. out lots of content. So it's going to recommend you to lots of people. So there's there's lots of benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just pictured the old man walking around in the puddly basement, like with dang yeah. drip, and yeah. like a, a vacuum tube just got sucked down, and he opens up the tube and it reads. It says, "Petrudo might do a video every day for seven days." And he just <laughs> acknowledges. Jimmy, it, would you agree? It back in the tube and goes, "Floop," goes away. Yeah. Would you agree they need to add more lights down there? It's dark and wet. It's dark. Well, I'm glad somebody just signed some light on my channel, so he found my knob. He opened my knob up this month. So <laughs> happy for that. Maybe a ray of sunlight came through the the boarded-up basement window. Right, right. Shined on my knob, and he reached over. He was like, oh, let me give this guy some some love for a couple days. <laughs> anyway, I have one more recommendation. So that uh, I've talked about Jocko a bunch of times, but the other one is a movie. Which you guys have you seen Knives Out? No, Jimmy, I know you haven't because you don't you don't do movies. What is a good thing? Explain, explain what a movie is to me. I'm sorry for the people that don't know. <laughs> it's a series of moving pictures. Yeah. So, David, you haven't seen it? No, not yet. Okay, Knives Out is it's it's probably already out of the theaters. It was out a while ago, but um, it just got brought back up in my head. We went and saw it, and it's a like a murder mystery. Um. In the style of, well, it's by Ryan Johnson, the guy that did um, one of the Star Wars movies, and he's done a bunch of good stuff. But it's a, um, it's like a, it's not Clue style, but it's like kind of Clue, kind of Agatha Christie, Perot, you know, like we don't know who killed this person, but everybody, every suspect is in the house and we're going to figure it out. That kind of a vibe, <laughs> murder on the Orient Express kind of thing. But it's super clever. <laughs> It's got a ton of great actors in it. All the performances are amazing. It's really well shot, and you don't get it. Like you, I mean, like you're watching the movie, and the whole time you're like, "I know this thing." I wait, nope, I was wrong about that. Oh, I know this thing. Nope, nope, nope. That's not you know. And it just it weaves, and it is really, really good. When I watch a movie, and and maybe I watch movies wrong, but I don't try to figure out the ending. Like ev- you watch movies. <laughs> maybe I watch movies wrong, but. Uh, you know, Kelly's like, yeah, I I know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you, but 
I, I know what's going to happen. And I'm like, I don't try to figure it out. I just let it enter my face as it happens. <laughs> I, I have a question for both of you. So if you're not interested in the 15,000 series of original content on Netflix or the 5,000 top pick movies that were made by Netflix and you want to see uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or you want to see Pulp Fiction or you want to see Casino, where do you go to rent these movies? I, we rent them on Amazon. You we get them on Amazon. We rent them on, on Apple. And it's like a lot of times it's like four bucks sometimes they have movies on yeah. sale for renting for for 99 cents which is i didn't even i didn't even think of that so i'm glad i yeah. asked both you guys you millennials you know this stuff <laughs> you millennials i'm like i mean millennials <laughs> yeah. me and Taylor, 44 years was, old was scrolling through netflix it's like original series original series original series original movie original document original i'm like netflix is now just a yeah. channel it's not a place to rent movies obviously yeah i mean there's still some stuff there but yeah it's they're definitely like kind of front loading with all of their original stuff. Yeah, I mean Amazon or Apple, there's actually other services one like called Vudu. YouTube. Um, there's I think yeah, a lot of them you can run on YouTube. Yeah. That's true. But we we do the Amazon stuff because a lot of Amazon Prime there's a lot of movies that are still really popular and really good for free. You don't have to rent. And then if you do have to rent one, it's usually 4 or 5 bucks or something. And sometimes it's like you can rent it for 5 bucks or you could buy it for 9 bucks. And so I've ended up like all the John Wick movies, which I really like because they're just violent, fun <laughs> movies. There was like two bucks more to buy it than it was to rent it. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. I'll watch that one time and then watch it again in five years for 10 bucks. Anyway, that's what I would do. One of those two services. Oh, and by the way, one more podcast. Crime Junkies. You guys follow Crime Junkies? Mm-mm. It's all about real. It's like real crimes. It's, it's like forensic files. But these two girls that tell stories really well. Crime Junkies. It's a good podcast. And Taylor and I have been digging into the entire series. We listen, like, like every time I go to a studio, she's got Crime Junkies on blast. I'm like, oh, really? You know, and then she always, like, the minute the story starts, she'll research, like, the key person's name and get all the information on the articles written. She's like, <laughs> like I'm listening, like, so she goes, oh, the, they found the, the person and they got the father that did it. And then, da, da, da. but she's listening anyway. She knows everything that happens. So she spoils it for every time. That's funny. Every time. Okay, well, uh, we went longer than I thought. We have to go to the after show. Oh, it's that time. So, yeah, it is that time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Hope you enjoyed our huge list of recommendations, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Love you. Thanks.